This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to another episode of The Culture Code. Our guest today, I'm very excited for this one, Chief People Officer at Symphony, Courtney Panic. Courtney, welcome. And where are you joining from today? Thank you for having me, Kevin. I've been so looking forward to this conversation since you've reached out. I'm joining from my apartment in New York City. New York City. I have a daughter that lives in New York City, works in Brooklyn. I don't get in as often enough. Now you're making me feel guilty as a dad that I haven't visited her in a while. <laughs> come on. You can come visit her. You can come visit me. Swing by Symphony anytime. I love it. You're in Manhattan. I bet most listeners are not going to be familiar yet with who Symphony is, what Symphony does. So tell us about the company. How big is it? What do you guys do? Sure. So Symphony is a communications platform for financial services. And the platform that we offer to our clients is secure and compliance enabling. So some of the features and product solutions that we offer are things like chat, file sharing, video calls, markets, voice and video, data analytics, business intelligence. And one of the things that makes Symphony unique is that our product was created by the industry for the industry. So all of our investors are from all of the top banking institutions around the world. And they chose to come together to create this common platform to use and to do business together. Wow, that kind of guarantees the old product market fit when the investors, <laughs> the founders are actually like, this is what we want. So they just built it themselves, it sounds like. They built what they needed. And yeah. uh, this, the Symphony product is, was the result of it. As a company, we're about 500 employees located in 10 cities around the globe, growing every year. That's great. We're here to talk about culture, of course. And a lot of people... You know, culture is kind of a squishy thing. Like, what is what does culture really mean? And of course, every company sort of has a unique culture, which once you're inside, you kind of get it or feel it or sort of know the vibe. But from the outside, it would be hard to know what it is. So try to describe what is Symphony's culture like? Try to describe it to me. Yeah, even as a chief people officer, I, I do find this question hard and squishy to describe. The way I describe culture and the way I think of it is culture is not what you do, but how you do it. It's how things get done. It's never static. It's constantly evolving as the company evolves, as the environment evolves, as the company changes and matures, your culture changes and matures with it. And Symphony's culture is really driven by who we want to be for our customers. We really strive to be a trusted solution for our customers and in order to do that, we have to reflect that level of trust that we want our customers to have in us with each other internally. Mm -hmm. So when I think about our culture and, and reflecting that trust and building a culture of trust, it's things like transparency, accessibility, being inclusive, holding each other accountable. But the question that you've asked is so timely because we actually just finished our employee engagement survey, our annual survey, and we just recently got the results a couple of weeks ago. And we have a question on that survey about culture. So I think actually the most accurate description of Symphony's culture would come directly from our employees and what they said in, in the survey. 
And our employees overwhelmingly use words to describe our culture as inclusive and open, where they feel their opinions are listened to and people feel heard. They used uh, supportive. There was a lot of comments around helping each other, great teammates. I feel supported by my colleagues and my managers. There's a sense of community within Symphony. And then passion really shines through as well. So we're passionate about our product and our the expertise that we bring and the impact that we have in the broader community and with our customers. And reading that and reading through the results, and yes, I read through all of the comments and I've combed through the results many, many times. What is really encouraging when I read that feedback from our employees and sort of how I'm tracking informally if we're moving in the right direction for culture is a lot of those words are actually our company values. Yeah. So that is a really nice check and balance um, where it's like community, passion, expertise, Mm -hmm. trust. Those are our values. So it's great to see that our employees see that in our culture. Did your engagement report put in a nice, pretty word cloud? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I love those things. Survey without a word cloud. <laughs> I love those word clouds. <laughs> the early ones that always have like the word the, you know, as the biggest word because everybody was writing long comments or something. Usually they clean that up. Courtney, that, that is, first of all, congratulations. That's cool. And just for our listeners, because because this is new, I've done a lot of these interviews. This is kind of the first time. I think this is a great check and balance system, right? So a lot of people do employee engagement surveys or quarterly pulse surveys they don't always ask a culture question. They don't often ask an open-ended question that can be word clouded, like what three words describe our culture? I'm not, I don't know if that was the question, but there's similar questions like that, right? And so by adding that question type to your survey or sending, God forbid, a one question survey and just asking everyone, it lets you check, okay, are we living and breathing what we claim we want to be? And I love that you talked about it it's like it was aspiration was like identity. Our culture is who we want to be for our clients. And asking this question kind of gives us a check, which is brilliant. And these traits, you know, around transparency, accessibility, the support, I always say like culture doesn't happen by accident, right? You don't just hire 500 people and they randomly all happen to be that kind of people. So what are you doing to foster that, that this culture in an intentional way? Sure. So um, Symphony is a relatively young company. We're just starting in our 10th year. We have over the past, let's say three years, have made an intentional effort to shift from startup mode to scale up mode, which is exactly where we need to be kind of in our business maturity model. So we are still in that scale build mode. And so a lot of the work that we're doing is just now, uh, it started off a little bit block and tackling and now is becoming more and more sophisticated and creating higher impact and has it been evolving. And that goes along with culture. So it is definitely something that's going to be ongoing. We do think about our culture and the evolution of it. We spent a lot of time up front building the foundational blocks to allow us to scale and build upward. And we really needed this, this transition from a business perspective. So if I think about um, the majority of our cultural drivers, it's really a combination of informal things that have come through the employees or through specific leaders or different locations around the world, as well as probably an equal number of formalized programs that are deliberately put in place. 
some of the things that we did at first in the past three years, um, when we started this journey to, to shift to a more scalable business framework, is we looked at how we were structured. We looked at how we communicate to each other. And um, we really, and we looked at what was needed. We need to move fast. We need to be flexible. Um, we need to be and want to be transparent with our employees to foster that trust that's so important to us. And so we looked at things like organizational structure, made sure that it was flat, that allowed communication to flow, that allowed us to be nimble and to be able to react if we needed. We also are, uh, we have an open door policy. So everyone from an intern to the most senior person has access to each other, including our CEO, Brad Levy. And we trust that people use their judgment and discretion in that level of accessibility to everyone through the company. We also, as I said earlier, uh, transparency is really key. And that's a, a big block in building trust. So sharing information at the firm-wide level with our employees at quarterly all hands and in team meetings is something that we really believe in. So we trust our employees with our financial information and our competitive data and our strategy. And we do this so they can be informed on how they can do their best work. And of course, with that level of transparency, there is, uh, that is, I would say, higher than most. We're doing it in a very responsible way. And I think our employees appreciate that. They appreciate us trusting them with that information. If I think about some of the the things around that are a little bit more uh, around community, which is one of our values. Building community is an internal priority, but it's also really important because we foster community externally. Our product is a collaboration solution for a lot of companies. And that in itself forms a community in financial markets. So internally, we've spent a lot of time on building an inclusive environment, and we've started in the past few years employee resource groups, mm -hmm. and those are established by employees and run by employees. We try to celebrate various diversity initiatives and efforts and to be more inclusive in our offices. So things like International Women's Day, Black History Month, Diwali, which is right around the corner. We're looking forward to that celebration. And we also partner with community organizations that are creating opportunities for underrepresented groups. So we have some DEIB partnerships with external organizations such as Streetwise, which is based out of New York City, Urban Synergy in London, Women in Baking and Finance, Coding Black Females. And we um, set up events with them to provide mentorship and career advancement exposure to professional settings and it has really become a mutually rewarding relationship and a big piece of culture within Symphony because not only do the participants of these organizations get access and coaching and this experience, but our employees also get the opportunity to volunteer, to share their knowledge, to be a part of the community. And the fact that we get to make this easier and accessible for our employees to do that, I think really does it has become a key part of our culture. Those are some of the more formalized things. If I think about the things that have happened informally, which are equally as powerful um, and maybe even more powerful in some, in some instances, everything from weekly office lunches to Thursday night drop-in happy hours. And this really does depend on the office. So every office does its own thing 
that makes sense for the people in that office and you know what resonates with them and what brings them together. We have team events. We have a fierce pickleball team in New York City. Look out. They're, they're going for the gold. There was a hiking trip today, which I was unable to attend. And I just saw some pictures and I don't even know if I'd be able to do the hike that they did. So again, I'm incredibly impressed by our employee base and their uh, athletic prowess. And we do simple things like this is going to sound so basic and it costs almost nothing. And this was started by the employees, but employees brought in puzzles and they set them up in the office and they started to do puzzles in between meetings or while they were eating lunch. And it is incredibly powerful. I just happened to have one of the puzzle tables outside my office, not because I put it there. That's just where the puzzle landed. So I can sort of see the evolution of the puzzles and the teamwork and problem solving to complete a puzzle. If you just think about the point of a puzzle. So the metaphor there is, is spot on. And it's also creating some mental capacity for our employees. They step away from their computers. They've been staring at Excel spreadsheets all day. It gives them some rest. And I've seen some of the more reserved employees who really didn't interact with anyone sit down at the puzzle table, start to talk to somebody else. And then now they're bringing in the puzzles. And now these employees are the starters on the pickleball team and planning the happy hours. And it was a a different way in. And it sounds so basic, but it was so powerful. Well, I'm glad you said puzzles because I'm thinking pickleball. I'm thinking about myself, pickleball and hikes. It's like, oh, this sounds exhausting and sweaty. And then you got to to, to puzzles. I'm like, okay, I could be part of this culture, right? There's something for everyone here. The puzzles are my jam as well. Yes. (laughs) You actually reminded me, I haven't thought about this in a long time. So over 30 years ago, most people don't know, I don't think it's like on my official resume, but I worked at um, AT&T Bell Laboratories when I was really young. And I remembered being, I think I was still a teenager when I started there. Um, they had in their giant cafeteria, all these game tables and it was chess and it was checkers and it was puzzles. Now this is AT&T Bell Labs. I think they're some of the most brilliant scientists and mathematicians and inventors around, and they were all hanging around playing games with each other. And it's like, I mean, I love, I actually love the idea of the pickleball, but just something that could give people that break and another way to socialize and, you know, build ties, you know, the social ties is just incredible. Let me shift gears though, because I love all that. And I know that about 70% of the variance in employee engagement goes back to who your manager is. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't really leave companies, they usually leave a boss. <laughs> so the frontline managers are especially critical because they're the they're the lens for 80% of your, your team. And I also know, so you're roughly 500 employees. You probably have, I don't know, I'm guessing 70 or 80 frontline managers, and you don't have a lot of money to put them through big, long official leadership development programs and expensive assessment centers and all these things that giant Fortune 500 companies do. So what are you doing to train and develop your frontline managers? I completely agree, Kevin. Um, Being a people manager is an incredibly important role. To me, people managers are culture carriers, they're cultural enablers, and they are driving the majority of the work being done at the company and interacting with more employees at scale and more frequently than leaders. So they really do set the tone 
And so the role of a people manager is critical to the success of the business. So some of the things that we're doing, we do have a couple of programs in place. So we have an early, like an aspiring people manager or new to people management career or program that is about four months. And there's it's a couple of hours every week that em- employees can opt into. And that happens every year. We do one or two cycles of those a year. We bring in, uh, bring in an external vendor, and then we supplement with some of our internal content. We've also just started, um, we made an investment in our systems as part of that building the foundation. So now that we have systems in place, we can push out content at scale. We've started to curate content specific to people managers. So hiring effectively, understanding and having compensation conversations. How do you, how do you assess performance? How do you differentiate a performance? How do you manage performance? Difficult conversations. So more than just block and tackling, approving time cards or uh, distributing and delegating work, this is the stuff of developing teams and creating high impact teams. So we started to create these on-demand resources written as well as mini videos, Mm. five to 10 minutes that we are organizing and pushing out through our HRIS system. And then we just kicked off, well, we are going to kick off next week, a um, monthly manager forum, which is a one hour session in which as we launch the content, the on-demand content, the following week or two later will be the manager forum. That will be a live session where we take that content and we apply it. So there's a Q&A, there's um, breakout sessions, maybe there's a little role play, you can't have an HR session with a little role play, but we really want to make it digestible and relevant to our managers because it's one thing to read it, it's a completely different game to actually do it. And, and I think that's the piece that sticks. So we are coming into end of year right now, our end of year process. We're doing performance assessments and thinking about talent reviews and promotions and compensation. So the net, the first two sessions and the first two blocks of content around performance assessment, how to write an assessment, how to differentiate talent, and then we're going into compensation, which is really tough for some people to talk about, to one, understand compensation and kind of demystify how it works and why it is the way it is, and then to have those conversations and really own that. And we're going to keep doing that throughout the year. Wow, so much good stuff there. And Courtney, I have an ear for language. I write books and everything. So I, I like it. And you use this phrase, you know, culture carriers for the frontline leaders. And, um, I, you know, that'll never become their official name. But I, I really love that phrase and that concept. And I'm going to steal it from you. If you see some LinkedIn posts or rants about frontline leaders as culture carriers, you know, I was thinking of you and I wrote it. But, but also, you know, and great minds think alike. I'm glad you talked about what you're doing and the fact that you're able to do that as a small organization, because my company LeadX, and I never talk about LeadX on this show, so I'll keep it brief. That's our whole thing is like, look, the old school way of like, send everyone to a boot camp. They don't remember it. They don't apply it. You know, the knowing doing gap is fatal. So whether you do it yourself, whether you work with a LeadX or something like that, the idea of like, wait a minute, every month can be a separate topic, whether it's your competency, whether it's timely connected to what you're trying to deliver, this idea of a flipped classroom, learning in the flow of work. No, it's not this giant course. It's five minute videos, right? That's accessible, digital. We can do in the palm of our hand or through Teams or Slack. And then you're using that time 
the, the live time, not as death by PowerPoint, not as sage on the stage, not as a boring webinar. We call them group coaching sessions. Um, you know, it's like, okay, sure. Maybe there's five minutes of reviewing the feedback model that you want to use or our performance plan or whatever it is. But then it's like conversations and breakouts and people love it. Managers want to talk to peers. It's like, okay, I get it, but I'm still having problem in this scenario. What do you want to do? You know, and there's the knowledge transfer part that's valuable. And then it's that social glue that makes it even more powerful. And we have got clients, they call these like the leadership power hour and all that. And they're wildly popular if you do them right, if you do them right. And you've just showed like, hey, we can pull that. You don't need to be a Fortune 500 company to deliver this the right way. Yeah, and there is a secret weapon that we have that every company has. I love uh, secrets. We're, we're definitely going to leverage is, and, and it is expected if you're a manager of managers. So if you are a manager of people managers and a lot of our leaders who have big organizations, our executive team, our leadership team, they're all great leaders and people managers. They did not get to the level that they are um, by not being and so I think it's really powerful and we are definitely going to engage them to co-facilitate with other leaders and managers the topics because HR could talk with people or talk at people or, you know, we're still HR in the end. But if you see your leader, if you see another manager, your peer, and they're sharing advice, I think that just amplifies it and it creates a, a more sticky environment to learn. So that is something that as a small company, my team, we don't have one resource dedicated to learning and development. It's kind of spread between me and another person and pretty much all of HR in some aspect. But if we're able to partner with really successful people managers and leaders on these topics, and they could help carry some of the load and share their experience and advice that I think that it goes even further than just the HR team doing it. Okay, Courtney, and we're going off script. Because this is so darn good. You just dropped gold. So I need to make sure everyone's really understanding. So LeadX Research shows exactly what you said. The number one, everyone says, oh, you know, people aren't participating. They don't show up. All our employees say they want to learn and grow, but then they say they're too busy for our programs. The number one variable is if the participant's manager cares, right? So if my manager wants me to work 50 hours this week or more to get the de hit the deadline and get the client satisfied, I'm not showing up for the learning program. If my manager says, Kevin, how's that session going? You know, what did you think of that class? Let, let me tell me in our 03 or in your 101, what you learned. If the manager cares, then the people will participate. You're saying, you know how they know their manager cares? Their managers are leading the class. Their managers are facilitating uh, all of this. So great nugget there. One of the many stealable ideas that you're, uh, you're already dropping. So let's go back. You did mention, I love this idea of the, the culture word cloud, an annual engagement survey. You'd be using anything else to gather data about, about how people are feeling about your culture? We do an annual right now. We are looking at doing some pulses now that we have our system set up. So it is on our tech roadmap and our engagement roadmap to do um, more frequent, shorter pulses on specific topics. We also have a regular cadence and we really leave it up to the business and the managers to do their regular team meetings, check-ins, and our HR team is involved in that. We have HR business partner teams. So they're using and they're gathering feedback from that. We'll also do, if we find that there is either an upcoming topic, something's kind of hot in the market, or maybe something that is becoming a challenge for our employees or 
results from the engagement survey that are a development area. We have done focus groups from time to time. We don't like to over flex that because it is time required and, and we want people to feel safe and we want to do it on things that we want. We know we can move the needle, but we will hold focus groups and to get a little bit deeper into the employee sentiment on things. And we're also a pretty small company, around 500 employees. Everyone pretty much knows everyone. And so the accessibility to you know, have informal touch bases, bump, you know, bump into somebody in the hallway, it's nothing to do skip levels or even you know catch up on the pickleball court and kind of take a pulse. So we try to use more formalized as well as informal ways of collecting feedback. Great. You've already shared so many cool projects, initiatives that you're doing, formal and informal. Have you covered it all or is there anything in particular that you're most proud of or that you'd want to share? Oh my goodness. I feel like we're doing so much. Um, I, I think that on, I think I, I'm I'm very excited for this rollout of the manager contents. We have a fantastic group of managers at Symphony. I think that even if you're a well-seasoned people manager and you think you've, you got it nailed, I think the value in coming into a session, whether it's a monthly session or you're facilitating, is you may learn something and I, I still learn stuff as I'm reading through the content or, or it's a really good reminder. It's also that you'll understand where you could help others. You could help your peers. So I'm really excited about that. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about, and I, I talked about it, so I won't spend too much time on, is even though we are small and quite lean, our executive team, our company, our HR team is really focused on creating an inclusive environment for our employees. And it was really great to see that we seem to be doing a pretty good job on it. It was one of our highest scores, our engagement survey. And so being able to create a space where employees feel like they can own and drive um, their own initiatives related to culture, that they're um, heard and they have accessibility to their managers or others, as well as investments in relationships and partnerships with these external organizations for volunteer opportunities I'm really proud of the work we've done there. Um, we weren't doing much prior um, or we were doing some things, but it wasn't in a, a connected way that was really moving things forward. And I think we have a much more focused approach to driving diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And there's so much more to do. We haven't even scratched the surface, but I'm really proud of everybody at Symphony for their um, commitment and support and being a part of that journey. It's a short format podcast and my editors of Forbes only give me about a thousand words. So it's even worse uh, on the, in the written version. So we're almost out of time, but I want to hit you with some questions that are a little more fast and fun, starting with if you could wave a magic wand and like all your colleagues got a book or a podcast or a Netflix show. I don't know. You could send them something that they could watch, listen to, read, and everyone would do it and, and kind of like take it to heart and be transformed by it. What would you send everyone? Oh my goodness. Well, you just hit on one of my personal development goals because I definitely need to read more and spend more time on myself and stop <laughs> giving to others so much. I, I've got two. I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to give you two. I think anything that Brene Brown writes, posts, and podcasts is so thoughtful. And I find that her work, I haven't read all of it, but Daring Greatly is one of my favorites. It, that stands out. I find that for it is helpful for me as a person 
to think about my relationships with people and how I may filter myself or structure my day and how I may be limiting myself, but also as an HR professional, as a leader, as a citizen in a community. So you don't need to be in HR to really learn something from this. I think that it's very helpful to think about what others may be going through or what other um, challenges other people will be facing and the way she kind of structures her content. Mm -hmm. It's quite digestible and realistic and relatable. And the other book that I quite enjoy, and my husband had recommended this to me uh, a long time ago, is The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And uh, this shows you a little bit of my, again, my own personal development that I need to work on. We all have a million things coming into our lives, workload, media, family, all these obligations. And that book for me helped me to think about how do you set yourself up in a routine that allows you to make the highest impact and how do you tap in to your, the best version of yourself by changing how you structure your day and how you think about your day. And I know there's a lot of books about the power of habit and of the same vein, but that one in particular just really resonated with me. Yeah, I, I'm all about structuring the day, the habits. That's my jam. And then Plus one on Brene Brown, especially Daring Greatly. Like I have found anecdotally that I think Brene Brown's readers tend to skew very female, but that's one of the top 10 books on my list that changed me. I mean, I was, I think I was 40 years old, a former worker, someone on my team recommended it, Daring Greatly. And I can't, I can't remember the page number. I was like, I remember I was reading it and then something just hit and it was like, there was a before and after moment around like self-worth and value and external validation. I'm like, oh, that's the way I, that's why I am the way I am. It's like a before and after happened on that book. And um, so, yeah, I think those are great, great recommendations. Um, what's something that you know now that maybe you wish you knew on the first day? If you could send a Slacker Teams message to the younger version of Courtney, what would you tell her? I think what I... When I came into this role, and I've been in my CPO role for just over a year and a half, so still fairly new to the role. And one of the things that I think I know in the back of my head, but I didn't leverage it enough, is that I am supported. And I don't have to carry the responsibility, the workload on my shoulders. So one of the things that my manager recently told me was learn how to distribute the risk. If somebody comes to you with something, you don't have to solve it alone. Tell me, tell legal, talk about it with the leadership team, as long as that's appropriate, because sometimes right. HR, we can't do that all the time, but bring other people in and let's solve it together. And I think that I thought throughout my career that that was something like I had to at least have a recommendation or come with some sort of solution and I would toil over things unnecessarily when I could have just brought support in a lot earlier and come to a conclusion a lot faster. Distribute the risk. I like that phrase a lot. So we're talking here, it's the very end of October, 2023. So the new year is almost here. By the time the holidays, it's like we're practically there. What do you plan to focus on in the year ahead? Yeah, this is, I, we're just, I'm having an HR offsite next week and we were just talking about this of how do we set up for next year and reflecting on the last offsite, and we've spent so much time the past two years on really block and tackle building the foundation 
so we can build on top of it. And we've now turned that corner. Not that we've ever, we've never not taken our eye, our eyes off of diversity or learning and development. We just haven't had the capacity to go full on because we had to get some of the foundation in place or fill some gaps. So now we do. And so I'm very excited to put more time and effort into our DIB program, our manager capabilities, which I just you know talked about us launching and really spending more time there to help sure help them grow in their career and make sure they're successful. And then general career development for our employees. Um, we may not have the ability to do a lot of formalized programs, but because we are a small company, we have a lot of opportunity to move around in the mobility and we stretch projects and to do rotations into different teams. So I'm really excited to start to plan out and launch some things around career mobility. And what about organization-wide? Like, as you think about the year ahead, you know, what are you most excited about for Symphony? Oh, it's always an exciting time at Symphony. Um, what I think is the most exciting um, about Symphony right now is that we are more relevant than ever in the market. And we know it and our customers are, they know it or they're seeing it. And maybe there's some new customers out there as well that will realize it. But regulation and compliance and security are at the forefront. There are millions of dollars in fines that are occurring at some of the largest financial institutions right now. And these fines are resulting in terminations of employees who may have not used compliant messaging or compliant means of communication in their day-to-day -day work, which brings risk onto their employers. So the SEC and the CFTC are really digging in here. And there's no other collaboration platform in the market that's secure and compliance enabling. So Symphony is the solution there. And we've known it for quite some time. And now we're really kind of coming to that point where the market is also realizing it as well. So we can be a, a great partner and solution to those who are facing some of these challenges around compliance and regulation. You've got me excited about the opportunity. So I hope you call me the next time you guys are looking for uh, additional outside investors. I want to get in on a round. All right. <laughs> I'll put you on speed dial. <laughs> Courtney, um, big thanks. Uh, incredible programs, initiatives, and structure for a, a company of your size, small but mighty. Thanks for the work that you're doing. Thanks for spending time sharing some of your wisdom today. And um, I want you to come back a year from now when you've gone from that startup to scale up so we can learn about the lessons you learned in the year ahead. I wanna have you back. I'd love to do that. Let's put it in the books. Sounds good, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour-style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org.